Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Episode 164, Yoda Speak. Quick roll call today because there's only one here and that person is John. Hi, John. How you, how you doing, Brandon? It's just you and me. You know how you know how you and Clarence are the Super Show. What is it when just you and I are here? I think this Unlistenable. Is, uh, well, John, come on. We're not doing the self-deprecating thing anymore. This. Oh is, yeah, that's right. I forgot. The best thing ever. There you go. I'm not very good at going the other way. I know. I know you're not. You're you're gonna get there someday. All right. I think this is like the. We're gonna just go. We're the serious guys. I think when when you and I are the only two here, we just like get hardcore about sports. It's sort of a, it's sort of what would happen if a comedy show had nothing but straight men, and not not as in heterosexual men, but there's just we're just setting up all the jokes, and there's nobody to nobody to actually do anything funny. The straight it's just men. gonna be is yeah. that what we are? Okay, so it's not a super yeah. shoe; it's the straight men. Yep, no comic Except, relief at all. I mean, we we both are. Never mind. I'm not going to explain this any further. No. Yeah. Dig up, stupid. Uh, so I want to talk Ricky Rubio at some point. We also need to check yep. in on the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup. I know there's some footy going on. Uh, so we'll get to all of that. But I, I want to start out with the Twins. Ah, the Twins. So for the most part, at least the past few. Hold on. I need to. In order to talk Twins, I need to. Yep. Get the beer. Uh. <laughs> I really wanted to hear a glug, 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 glug. <laughs> I should have. I should have, and I want to, and I will soon. Um, but for the past few weeks, we've just been sort of skating by the conversation of the Twins because it's been so depressing. But you may know that we are at the critical 35.8% of the way through the season critical. tonight. Yeah. This is, we're recording this on a Thursday night. So, um, so we now know a fair amount about our um, our beloved team, and we can look at some projections for the rest of the year. I have a few of these that I think are interesting, and I want you to tell me if they'll happen or not. So this is our favorite game. Will it happen? Will it happen? Okay. That was a lot of buildup for some pretty boring questions. I just want to set the stage correctly. <laughs> a lot of buildup for a bunch of very boring questions is a good podcast setup. <laughs> yeah. So true. 
all right. So uh, our, our guy, Joe Maurer, who you and I love because we Ooh. feel so bad for him. Yeah, I think you'll find that I picked him as my bro this year. And I have him as my um, my bro every year in, in a way. I just I just want him to be happy, and, and I just want to shove it up the ass of all the people who complain about him, which is almost everybody, actually. There's like nine yep. people left who are defending Joe Maurer. It's us two and, and our friend Aaron Gleeman right now. It's all I can think of. I would say Aaron is definitely the chief defender of all the defenders, or at least... It's certainly true that all of the haters seem to concentrate more on Aaron than anybody else. That's true. That's true. He like he does bring it on himself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he enjoys he enjoys poking fun. He enjoys poking the bear. Um, so Joe Maurer is on pace for twenty home runs. Is, do you think he's going to get there? Uh, I think. Why the heck not? Yes, I think that Joe Maurer is going to hit twenty home runs and. <laughs> The internet in Minnesota is just going to break. If he hits that 20th, you think... I mean, it's only 20. I I think it'll be like Roger Maris getting to 60, where it just becomes the... Getting getting that 61st is just like Maurer getting his 20th. Just <laughs> hair falls overwhelming. Out. His hair's falling out. Completely There's so gray. much pressure. There's nothing that anybody else is talking about. He just wants it to be over. He's chain smoking during all of the press conferences at the yeah. end of the game. I would, I would love that. That would be my favorite thing in the world if Joe Maurer went gray and started chain smoking just to get to twenty <laughs> home runs. There's a good bit in there somewhere. Can you imagine Joe Maurer sitting down in front of a press conference and just pulling out a lighter and a smoke and just cracking her up and being like, "What? It's been a tough season." <laughs> yeah. There would, if this were as like a parody movie, there would be a, like a montage of like, is this like Joe? You see Joe swaying and hit the ball. They're like, is this the one? And it's like two hundred and forty feet. No, <laughs> no, not no. even close. Oh, it's an opposite field single. That's not going to be the one. Uh, so you think he's going to get there? I think he will too. Yeah, I, I think so too. Why? Why the heck not? Why? Let's have one thing to hang on this season. Why the heck not? All right, Joe Maurer, twenty home runs. We are giving that to you. That's a sportive gift. Sportive, now we'll hit nine. Sportive gift, yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, right? He gets two well, more for this not. year, and he if gets he shut down. In for... the, if he hit one in the entire second half of the season, that would not be a shock. Nope. That would, that would be the second half of Brian Dozier's season last year, right? Yeah, well, the second half of Brian Dozier's career, more yeah. like. All but, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, next one. Uh, Snow... And Park are both on pace for 30, 31 home runs apiece. Do you think they're going to get there, either one of them, both of them? I think Sano is going to continue to have injury problems because the Twins are going to keep putting him in right field where he doesn't belong, and he'll keep hurting himself. So you are a little more plugged in than I am. It's hard to be less plugged in than I am about the, the daily goings-on with the Twins. Has there been any talk about when he gets back, a plan for him, or are they seriously like, get back in the outfield? It it depends on who what you mean by talk. If you mean is the front office saying, "Yeah, we made a mistake," the answer is no, because this front office would never say that they made a mistake. Not directly. They'd say, "Well, that didn't work out," but in truth, you can see exactly what we were going for, and we just thought that such and such was going to work out because we're a big we're big believers in magical thinking here at Target Field. But there certainly have been a number of people who've been like, all right, 
It happened just like we said. He's a terrible right fielder, and he hurt himself trying to play the position. This is not where you want a guy like Miguel Sano to play. He's just going to continue to hurt himself and continue to shorten his career running after doubles into the gap. It's it's, it's one of those things where you don't need you don't exactly need numbers or stats to tell you, yeah, a guy who's 285 pounds playing right field is just not going to work out real well for him or for anyone. So there's a lot of people who are making that case, but it's going to require trading Trevor Plouffe, won't it? Uh, yes. If they're going to move him, they're not going to move Maurer away from first base, and they're not going <laughs> to put Park in right field and let Sano be the DH. So it's just... Unless they trade Ploof, I don't see him moving. Yeah, and they're not going to get much for him. This reminds me, and we are so bombarded with fireable offenses from the Twins front office that sometimes you you forget about a few of them. You know, they just sort of, it's sort of like the crazy things Trump says. There's so many of them that there's some real gold that we probably have just like didn't even get into our long-term memory because it's just like, ah, I got too much. I got too much. I'm just one man with one regular brain. So one thing that I don't think that we ranted about enough, although we may have, I blocked most of these out um, soon afterwards. Did we rant about the terrible idea of signing Park to begin with? No, I think we thought, well, he hits a lot of home runs. This will be fine. And not remembering that like Sano was the DH and needed to be the DH. Why did we... You know, it's hard because you can obviously there's I'm guessing some of the international guys were calling Terry Ryan of like, hey, I think we can get this guy. I think it can be for a, a you know, a decent price, whatever. Somebody needed to be like, great. Thank you. Good point. But we it's going to be a disaster if we sign him because the future of our franchise is kind of the DH. So it's just another reason that makes me think that they thought they could get something for Ploof. Because there's no other reason why he's on the team, right? Like we That's don't, true. we do not need him. Even though he's fine, he's been a fine player for sure. I'm not saying that he's a piece of shit, but like, I just cannot believe that they signed him in the first place. Do other organizations do this? Like, hey, we've got this really good stud, whatever. We just signed another guy, free agent, to play that exact same position, and we've got like five guys in the minors that play that exact same position. Like, why are we spending it's- time scouting Park? Why is the Terry Ryan going like? No, 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 no. I, we don't need any more of those guys. Please don't even... I don't care if he's a good value. We do not need him. It, it seems more like the Twins' mistake is less about not planning for the future and more about falling victim to what we always joke about at the start of the season of everybody who was good is going to continue to be good and mm-hmm. everybody who wasn't good is going to get better. Yep. They... I think the the shining star right now is Kurt Suzuki, although it was Mike Pelfrey in past years and Kevin Correa in years before that, where the Twins have a guy who comes in, has a mediocre year, and maybe they have him signed for one year, maybe they have him signed for two years or whatever. He has some somebody has a year that's somewhere between mediocre and good, and the Twins immediately extend his contract or in the case of a guy like Phil Hughes, who has a good year, they tear up a three-year contract and give him, I don't even know how many years they gave him. How many years does Phil Hughes have left to go? 
that the twins can't get out of. Probably like nine. Like they just they have no con they have no concept of either selling high or not doubling down. You know what I mean? It's I not do. like remember remember Josh Willingham came in, he was on a three year contract, and for the first time in his entire life he stayed healthy for an entire baseball season and hit like twenty seven home runs. Yep. And the twins could have traded him. And I suppose, looking back on it, we should count it at a victory that they didn't sign him for nine more years. Yeah. But everyone was like, okay, this is good. We should probably trade him. He will never be more valuable, and the Twins are not good right now. And instead, they kept him, and then he played like 100 games the next year and then 12 the year after that because Josh Willingham got hurt all the time. That's how, that's how he operated, and he was never that good again. But, like I say, at least they just kept him on the same contract at that point. Now they've started going, well, Kevin Crea was awful, but we have his phone number. So let's go ahead and re-sign him, because it's going to be way easier to get this mediocre nothing to come back than it is to sign a new player who we don't know. Yeah, it's like he's already here. He's got a house. So so it goes, it goes for a guy like Ploof, who's at best, an average third baseman in the American League. You can you can look at the stats and maybe make a case whether he's top half or bottom half, but he's definitely not getting any better. He certainly is getting older, and he's not that good. He's not like a top three third baseman in the American League that they got to make sure that they hold on to long term. So you look at a guy like Ploof, and he's kind of a prime candidate to either be replaced or traded or at least put into a situation where maybe he can be more valuable somehow. I don't know if you platoon him or what, or whatever that looks like. I suppose you can't platoon Ploof because it's not like they have a left-handed hitting Mike Pallagrulo right next to him to hit left-handed instead of Ploof hitting right-handed. But it's certainly a case where a team that was trying to maximize value would have done something. And the Twins, who seem far more concerned with maximizing hope and saying, well, you know, he's, he might be 32 years old, but he did hit 20-year home runs a couple years ago, and he could do that again and be a shame if we got rid of him. And then he did that. So they just stick with guys like that. They stick with Ploof instead of trying to figure out where their best hitter is going to play, a la Miguel Sano. Yeah, it's, I mean... God bless Park. I like him a lot, but he is really fucking things up for us because Sano would not be injured. We lost 15 games of Sano, or, you know, 12 games, something like that. Really could have used him. I mean, the season's, you know, gone, but still, it'd be good to have him in the lineup to see what he can do. And it's just another one of those things that is just so overlooked because there's a million other things that we were mad about before. I don't even think we had the time to be like, good organizations don't do this. They don't displace their best pitch, their best hitter. But whatever, god damn yeah. it. Okay, back but, to will it happen? Yeah, true. Okay, so uh, speaking of Bunghole Park, on pace for thirty-one home runs and fifty-six RBIs. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Will Will he defy all logic and mathematics and finish with more home runs than RBIs? Yeah. Can he do it? I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see him. And he's trying. He's sure as hell trying. Yeah. That one I'm going to well, say I mean, no. We we know that RBIs really 
has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the quality of the team around you. And Word. Looking at the Twins, I'm surprised that anybody has an RBI. Because that would require somebody to be on base when you got up to the plate. So looking at the Twins, it's like they should have 45 home runs and 49 runs scored. Yeah, very true. It's Joe Maurer is basically the only person on base most of the time. Yep. It's okay. just Joe Maurer standing on second base just waiting for something to happen. Yeah, Come on, exactly. guys. Knock me in. All right, I got another one for you. This one, This one stings. Uh, Buxton is currently on pace for 95 strikeouts and six walks. <laughs> Ooh. That's a uh, mm, 13 to 1 ratio. Ugh. 14 to 13 to. I'm not great at the math right now, but I'm, I don't think that's a good ratio. And there was, I mean, how, for how long were we feeling like Buxton is, has really turned it around. It's like a two games, right? There was a week, maybe a week. And we decided he had turned it around. He he came up from the minors and he got forty two hits in forty four at bats or something like that in a week. That's I think that's and, right. That's right. Yeah. Since then, he's gone over in every game since then. But it's still it was. What's going to have to happen with Buxton? He he doesn't seem to have poor control of the strike zone necessarily, but he does pick bad pitches to swing at like for a while it seemed like he was going to take two strikes no matter what and then they would throw him a slider and he would strike out because he's 21 years old and he's never seen a slider that looks like that before yeah so at some point he just has to hit enough that they stop throwing him strikes on every pitch you know what i mean yeah yeah i am still and i think i think most everybody with half a brain is still fully on board yeah. with with Buxton, so that's not going out on any sort of a limb, but um, not a great start. 95 and 6, he's got to beat that. I mean, 6 walks. The other, the other day, I was on the bus at 6.30 in the morning, and there was a guy in the back of the bus who was drinking a can of beer just in the open. At one point, he lifted one of his cheeks to fart loudly, mm-hmm. and... Could have said hi, For John. some reason, when we got towards downtown, he was railing about condo developers and how they know people and they ruin everything for the rest of us. I don't know why he had seized on that particular thing. Anyway, that guy thinks Byron Buxton is a bus. Well, so, of course, yeah. Just <laughs> he didn't say it, but I know he does think that. So if you think Byron Buxton is a bus, listeners, you are in a group with. The guy drinking a beer on the bus at six forty-five in the morning. That does not sound like life's going well for that guy. That's not a group you want to be in. Ugh. Yeah, I think he might have been Tom Hansen. I think he might have been. Tom it's Hansen possible in the, the wild. You saw Tom Hansen. Our Although beloved... he would never, he would never take public transportation. So true, true. I well, guess after the DUI, you got to get around. I was going to say the only the only reason would be the Dewey and the wife had to work a yep. double shift or something. Uh, all right, so Bob Grossman is on pace to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Will that happen? Yeah. Is that going to be a thing? I I don't think they'll actually have a ballot for the Hall of Fame. I think they're just going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Or rename the day it. He stops playing. They call like, it the Bob Grossman Hall of Fame. The Bob Grossman Baseball <laughs> Hall just, of Fame. On milestone games, they'll they'll take the cap or the bat or, or 
the pitching rubber, the baseball or whatever, and I'll put that in the Hall of Fame boat. And when Rob Grossman decides that he's retiring, the people from Cooperstown will come and they'll just take him and put him directly in the Hall of Fame behind a glass case. And he'll be given water and food and you can go see him there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that won't last, but it's been fun so far. Bob Grossman and that Joe Mauer are, are uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, boy. Um, the pitcher that is projected to lead the team in war is Fernando Abad. Will that happen? Well, he's not a bad guy. Jesus. <laughs> I, I think it will. He's their only that? decent... <laughs> because I hate you. Gosh. That's the only reason. And listeners, I want noted that I hate all of you as well. <laughs> yeah. If uh, you're laughing at that terrible joke, you're my wife. Hello, dear. Um. Yeah, they're all so really all bad. Pitches, yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> Buddy Bosher seems to be good for for being an imaginary cartoon bear. He's doing very well. I mean, uh. Ah, uh, Buddy Botchers <laughs> has three innings pitched. Taylor, something called Taylor Rogers is pitched for us. I don't even remember that guy. Who's Taylor Rogers? I don't know. Apparently, on the, the way, team, thirteen. This innings. is how I feel about literally every Twins pitcher that I don't know for a fact he sucks. The rest of them, like, who is that guy? I've never heard of Taylor Rogers slash Pat Dean slash really anybody. Michael Tonkin's been up. 29 times in the past 29 years in September and gotten two innings and whatever, but everybody else is just gone. Who's Brandon Kinsler? Brandon Kinsler is some journeyman guy. I actually was, was he's been doing well. He's got 11 strikeouts and one walk and seems legit. He's 31 years old. Like it, it's not going to happen for Brandon Kinsler. He's like he's Andrew not Albers age. <laughs> Why? Why would you, we're having a fine time. Why? <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do for you, Brandon. I'm going to read you the top seven twins in ERA so far this year. Buddy Boshers. Oh, you're saying in, from best to worst. Okay. From best to worst. The best Buddy Boshers. Okay. Fernando Abad, Brandon Kinsler, Michael Tonkin, Taylor Rogers, Ryan Presley, Pat Dean. That's the best of the pitching staff. Uh, so let's go back. Buddy Boshers is 28. Abad is 30, Kinsler's 31, Tonkin's 26, Dean is 27. So the youngest guy is still not young. That's how fucking old and bad this squad is. If you put those seven guys on an international league pitching staff, the manager would be like, this, why won't they give me somebody who can pitch on this team? <laughs> yeah. And yet here we are. That's yeah. the best they can do. Ah, uh, nothing. Like a few years ago, in the every year, the Rochester Red Wings would finish in last place by like forty-five games because the Twins had so little talent, and they kept having to call everybody up. Yeah, they were basically just playing like every game with sixteen guys on the roster. All right, here we go. Uh, two of these guys haven't played all year, and I'm two of them are somehow on loan from the Long Island Ducks in the Independent Atlantic League, and yet they're here because we have nobody else on our team. And people in Rochester were actually publicly furious 
yeah. with the major league club, which never ever happens. That's I. How good is Rochester this year? They must be rotten. Oh, I have to assume so. You're not going to make me look that up. No, well, I mean, <laughs> hold you on. Could we're we're going to have a we're going to have a five minute break while we look up minor league stats. Just dead go silence. On. Listeners, go on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, you're going to go to at Gadfly two seven two seven. That's Wade. He'll tell you. He'll tell you exactly how good Rochester is doing this year in the minor league. In the minor leagues, is our defense still really bad? In your estimation? Uh, well, Sano's hurt, so that helps the defense. Okay. I mean, I I honestly don't know, but given that the team has lost almost all of its games, i got to imagine they're bad in every single facet of the game. The reason I ask is because I'm looking at Baseball Reference, the squad, and hey, almost other... Yeah, hey, what's up, Hans? Um, almost all of our FIPs are lower than our ERA. Well, that seems like an excellent sign that our defense is terrible. Right? I mean, I, I guess... We should we should have called in Gleams for some specifics, or of course Hans. Uh, to, to I love how we're doing a stats based podcast without Gleeman or Hans. <laughs> I know this is bad. Ooh, we're so over our skis right now. Um, but that seems to me that that's the reason, right? Like if you've got a good FIB and a bad ERA, it's either just bad luck or bad defense. Because I mean, yeah, FIB is feeling I mean, it's a pretty good pitching. sign. It's a pretty good sign that the balls that are getting put into play are not being turned into outs. Yeah, and if it's a couple guys, you'd think, um, yeah, that's just shitty luck. But their FIP is w- well over a half run better than their ERA as a team. Team ERA is five. Holy shit, that's hard to do. That is hard to do yeah. in today's MLB. But I'm trying to look for some for some silver lining of somebody who's been doing well. And, uh, again, I'm not going to count old Buddy Bosher's three innings. The only one who's somewhat pitched okay in terms of the uh, the the nerd stats is uh, our guy Rocky Nabisco, <laughs> uh, which is surprising, right? Uh, Rocky Nabisco's uh, got a three point five FIP, which is pretty good, and he's got almost a five to one strikeout to walk ratio, sixty three strikeouts in seventy one innings. It's, these are all decent numbers until you look at his ERA, which is five point one seven. So. Um, I'm not going to look into all the deeper. I'm sure there's another click down in terms of detail of line drive rate or or whatever. But if you just look at FIP, which is already um, pretty detailed, he's been the one guy who's been better than league average. Rocky Nabisco, who we hate. Yes, we hate him. We have hated him since he got here, and he's hated us. I think he's just like been miserable since the day he signed that contract. <laughs> he signed, and the next day he just said to himself, "Why am I doing this?" What? And what the fuck? What, am I, what was I doing? Since then, he's been engaged in a long-term conspiracy to steal money. So that's been fun. So the best year, Ray, and this is coming. We're recording this again on a Thursday. There was a game playing being played right now. Um, and everybody's ERA is going up in the game. <laughs> I was going to say, before that game, our ERA, the uh, best starting pitcher ERA was Irv Santana at 4.5. 4.5. Now, I picked him as my turd this year, and he, of course, is not going to get the uh, award for turd, but only because like 29 other players have somehow played worse than even him, who's not playing well at all this year. 
It's like I don't around around the league. For a long time, it was like anything around the four mark of ERA was pretty good. If your team was giving up four runs a game, you were doing okay because a lot of runs were being scored. Yep. And now they're talking about shrinking the strike zone because teams are having such trouble scoring runs, and it's it's a little bit like the couple of years at the end of the 60s when they suddenly decided to raise the mound to be seven feet high and yeah. no one could score a run ever. It's it's sort of going that direction now and they're talking about shrinking the strike zone and stuff. And yet the Twins, every single year, still manage to have an ERA that looks like they're playing at Coors Field in the late 1990s. It's just insane to me. Like, what what will happen to the Twins ERA if they shrink the strike zone next year? Will I mean it'll be seven and a half? <laughs> it's funny because it's true. They've assembled the, they've assembled a staff full of full of guys who keep the ball down and throw strikes. They're just going to get murdered if they can't throw a low strike. I mean, they're having enough trouble throwing low strikes the way it is, but they none of them can throw hard enough to. To actually strike anyone out, there was there was some stat the other day about the Mariners in one game through twenty seven pitches, ninety nine miles an hour or more, and they somebody posted this stat on Twitter that there's three MLB teams that haven't thrown that many combined since two thousand eight, oh, and oh it no. was two other teams that had like twenty three and twenty two, and then the Twins, who in the past eight years have thrown four pitches ninety nine miles an hour or faster, <laughs> no four. Way. <laughs> that's bad it's a bad number i was not expecting that and the amazing thing was i thought about it and i was like who threw the 99 mile an hour pitch it's got to be some journeyman guy that we just picked up and was well one of those guys that we traded uh jj hardy for was a was it hoey yeah it jim, jim hoey jim hoey fireballer he must have just thrown hard just gassed up and then he blew his arm out and left it probably was the time we let Kadir pitch in a game. He probably just tossed a couple hundred and two miles an hour. That's got to be it. Yeah. So they're bad. They're they're really bad. And they're real bad. But the point I was making earlier, they're also really old. <laughs> this is a terrible veteran team. The youngest. I mean, Tyler Duffy is twenty five. That's the best I could say that, you know, obviously Brios will, will come back up soon and probably be fine and and, and everything will be okay. But it's kind of it right now for, like, legitimate starting pitchers. Yep. Brios, maybe Duffy. But Duffy's not legitimate. I mean, he's a five-starter, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm. He's just like him, him and Kyle Gibson are the same two human beings. Yeah. Sort of, at best, average. Yeah. Yep. You're hoping for seven innings, four runs. If they throw six innings, it's a victory no matter how many runs they give up. Yeah. Because you gave the bullpen a rest a little bit. Innings eater. Yes. Okay. Let's continue. Let's wrap up this. Will it happen? Uh, You got to do the jingle. Will it happen? Will this happen? The team leader in wins is a tie currently, like with most of the staff, projected to have six wins. (laughs) The highest projected win total right now is six, and that is shared between 
<laughs> Nabisco, Ty Duffs, K. Jeps, Ryan Presley, Taylor Rogers. Uh, yeah, so all of those guys are on pace to win six and have a tie for the team lead. Six. So what you're telling me wins. is the team leader in pitching wins right now has two wins. Two wins. Yeah, there's like that eight of them. Is amazing. <laughs> so like Buddy Boshers, Buddy Boshers won the other day, and he's only one game off the team lead for wins. I mean, he's so close to that. Yeah. Yep. He's got one. He's literally gotten eleven batters out. In an entire major league season. Uh-huh. And he has a legitimate chance to lead the team in wins. You are correct, sir. It's June. This, it's this mid-June. Is, this is something. So, uh, and specifically, uh, Kevin Jepson. And this is, I'm going to end with this one because it kind of shows just how ridiculous all this pace stuff is at this point, which is fine. But um, Jepson's projected record this year is 6-14. and 14. <laughs> He's a closer. <laughs> How many saves has Jepson blown this year? I, it has to be like nine, isn't it? I don't have. Let's see if I can find it in front of me. Um, I thought it was seven or eight. A lot. A lot of blown saves is my. It's been, for a team this bad, it's been amazing how often they've been close to winning but haven't won. It's true. They've found a lot of different ways to lose games. That's. That's the impressive thing. Well, they're 22 games under 500. If Kevin Jepsen was lights out, they'd be like 14 games under. I mean, they would still would be one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> they are 14 games out of first place, and it's a week into June. So I don't know. I would actually, obviously, Kevin Jepsen's not going to get that many decisions because he's not a closer anymore. But I just think... Six and fourteen as an actual MLB closer would be the greatest thing to ever happen. Like there is nothing yeah. more indicative of how dumb and horrible this season would be than a closer having not only twenty like decisions is a very very bad thing, but fourteen of them being losses would just be oh god, it would be glorious. But it's not going to happen. It would it would be tremendous it, you look at him and be like did he pitch three innings a game or something yeah, was fuck, he like what, a fireman like in the 60s what happened here yeah no he pitched 60 innings the whole season <laughs> yeah. well they're taking him out of the closer role so yeah you won't have kevin jepson to kick around anymore only 24 other guys to kick around yeah only i can't even i do remember i saw the story of oh they're gonna take jepson out of the closing role and i think it must have been like Kinsler they were putting in there because I was like, oh, they're putting who in there? I've never heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the twins. This is why we don't talk about the twins. It's just depressing. One thing that we should be talking about, maybe not now, but pretty soon here is trade deadline. But trade everyone. Who, if Trevor Plouffe is on this team August 1st, it just is, well... I was going to say a total system failure, but that one's taken. So Yeah, that's trademarked. Well, what are you going to get for, for Ploof? What, would you trade him for uh, an L, a brand new L screen? I would trade him for a high five. You'd trade him for like him giving you a ride home. Like, I'll trade you to the, just, I just need a ride home. Yeah. It was, <laughs> there was a few years ago, I think it was the Indians. The Twins traded somebody to the Indians down the stretch. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't have a lot of details here, as you can tell. No. 
but th- there was some meaningless trade down the stretch for a player to be named later. And they got, I think, to the winter meetings and remembered that they hadn't actually named a player later. So the Indians took the Twins out to dinner, like the delegation at the winter meeting. <laughs> that was the completion of the trade, because sure. there has to be something that goes back. But... Yeah. It's great. It's probably better not than what make... they would have gotten. Not to make this about soccer, but a couple oh years God. ago in the NASL, a guy got traded for renting hotel rooms when the trading team was visiting the team that they traded him to later in the year. That's what I would trade Blue for. I trade him to anyone to be like, hey, when we come to your city, you're going to pay for the hotel rooms for all of our guys. We're not going to ask for individual hotel rooms for everyone. We'll double up like usual. But you pay for that, and then we're good. We're square. Yep. That's fine. There is absolutely zero value for the rest of the roster for the most part. I mean, Suzuki, Maurer, I don't think anybody wants Dozier. They can have him. They're not going to they're not going to trade Dozier because they think that he's just around the corner from being the best thing ever because that's what they believe about every veteran player who had one good year. I would trade Dozier for some new BP tops. Ooh, that seems like a valuable thing. How about for some old BP tops? So I trade Dozier, and they send me their team's old BP tops? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. So all of a sudden, we're just taking BP and, like, Mariners tops? That would, Feels like exactly. a bad PR move. I feel like somebody would judge why, us. Why are you guys using <laughs> the Mariners BP jerseys? Back in the Dozier trade, so why not this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's, I don't know, I'm not even going to go down the list here. You can't get anything for Squidward, right? No. Who's going to trade for Squidward? He's 35 years old, 47 years old. <sighs> maybe maybe Bob Grossman's trade bait. You think someone wants Bob Grossman? I mean, we got rid of uh, old Sam Fold and we got uh, Mommy Talone. He got us a couple of victories, a couple W's. It would be a shame to give up on the best player in baseball history so quickly, but... You know, sometimes you just got to sell high on a guy. Yeah, I feel like we'd have an egg on our face if we gave up the one and only Bob Grossman. The thing is, if the Twins traded a guy who was a future Hall of Famer, he would just merely go onto the list of Twins of Hall of Famers that the Twins traded or traded away before they were in their prime. That's just the way the Twins operate. Yeah, yeah, can't get it right. Everything is bad. Everything is bad. Okay, I wanna I wanna I'm I think I'm done talking twins. All right. Let's that was way too much twins talk. Yeah, it was. It was. We're not gonna do that again. It's too much. Thirty five minutes. They don't deserve Agreed. that, man. Okay, I wanna talk about Rick Rubio. Do you wanna talk about it with me? Yep. Let's let's do a little Rick Rubio talk. Well, as you know, I am the I I think it's fair to say I'm probably the number one Ricky Rubio defender in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, review review for the people why you love Ricky Rubio. I love Ricky Rubio because he's good at almost everything in basketball. And specifically, he's good at all the things that are super important to winning, but you can't easily tell while watching the game. 
And the more I watched basketball, um, such as defense, I think defense, passing, positioning, leading, and telling other guys where to go on the floor, when to get in transition, when to slow it down. I guess seemingly basic stuff, but um, so I'm a late. I'm a late. What's the opposite of a late bloomer? An early bloomer. I'm a late bloomer to basketball. I grew up playing you're hockey. An early, <laughs> you're a late comer, I think, is what you're going. I'm for. a late comer. You're a late comer to hockey. No, to basketball. I mean to basketball. Early bloomer to hockey. Grew up playing hockey. Loved hockey. Couldn't care less you about the early NBA. adopter of hockey. Early adopter of hockey. <laughs> this is a good bit. This early late early late. Brandon and John argue over what marketing terms mean. <laughs> Never get to their point. The tape cuts out, and they published it. So I was a late bloomer comer to basketball. Right. I just started getting into it when I was like in my twenties, and it was. I realized how fun it was to watch the actual like call it strategy or whatever. I didn't think there was any of that in basketball. Like growing up, I just was like, yeah, whatever you try to dunk it, run wherever you want. Yeah. You try to dunk it. And if you can't, you just have to shoot it a little bit farther away from the hoop. You know, that's, that was the whole thing of basketball for me, but there's a lot more to it. And I think Rubio has been the guy that's kind of unearthed that for me to understand. Like when I watch him on the court and how smart he is and how good things happen when when he's on the floor, like that's not a fluke. And, uh, and so I just think he's amazing. I think steals are underrated and they're really important. I think uh, being a good point guard defender is super rare in the NBA. These guys are so fucking unbelievably fast that it's hard to play defense against them. But he's great at it. He's about as good as you can get. Um, so there's all of that. And and then it just there's also a point of I end up defending him more than I typically would because other people are are, are just shitting on him. Yeah. You are to Ricky Rubio as Aaron Gleeman is to Joe Maurer. Yes. Yep. It's like, I don't even want to be the guy that has to be obsessed with him, but you guys are dicks to him, and I think you're wrong. So now I have to be, like, the biggest Rubio backer, you know, um, in the world, and that's fine. I want to be that guy. That's totally cool. Um, yeah, you're there for Ricky. When but you I need to. There, you're there for him. I mean, he was... Top five in assists this year. Top five in steals. Really, really good rebounder. Like those are really important things. Um, and I think the the knock obviously is he can't shoot. You're right. Like a, he can't shoot, but he takes like four field goal attempts per game. <laughs> like he. True, but it's it not like true. he's shooting 19 of them a game. That would be really bad. He's in transit. Like you all in their possession, only one guy can shoot the ball. So, and the other knock, of course, is like, well, defenses sag off him and then they go double somebody else, whatever. It's like, okay, yep. In theory, that makes sense, except that they're way better offensively with him on the floor. And they always happen. And not just in terms of like, well, that's compared to the horse shit player that's playing instead of Rubio, whether, you know, whoever the backup has been these past few years, Tyus or rookie when Levine was a rookie, et cetera, et cetera. Like, no, it's not that. Like, compared to other people in the league, they're a lot better on the floor with Rubio on both ends of the court. So I don't know if... And he's also on, like, a a decent contract, which is, you know, it's fine. So I am just... I'm absolutely 
I'll say it, John. I'm befuddled. <laughs> I'm straight up befuddled. Almost almost all the way to bumbuzzled. I am almost almost, but now I'm just saying I'm befuddled. B apostrophe fuddled. Not even pronouncing the E. <laughs> befuddled. You should change your name to befuddled. That could be Bef- your new nickname. Befuddled Broxy. Befuddled. Oh man. But I am and I but it's hard for me too because I don't understand is this seriously like an eye test thing? Like if you are watching as a casual fan and you are watching Rubio, like isn't he awesome to watch as a casual fan? Like I don't get why I'm I'm wondering who and why this like Rubio is kind of sucks or is overrated or we can't go to the playoffs with them. Where did that come from? Who are we? Yeah. That was going to be my question for you. You seem angry about these people. I'm fucking, I'm befuddled people. Where are you hearing about these people? Well, in what manner are they communicating to you? Their dislike of Ricky Rubio. Cause like with Joe Maurer, you just have to search Maurer on Twitter and you'll find a million egg Twitter accounts complaining about Joe Maurer. Yeah. I mean, egg Twitter hates Rubio, but, I think, as well. Uh, I would say I've sort of got my uh, my ear to the... Hold on. Let me get this analogy right. I have my ear to the train tracks Yep, That's of right. the fans on the train that talk on the Wolves talk train. I have my mm-hmm. ear to the tracks of the Wolves talk train. Yep, you're on the Wolves Talk Train. The Wolves Talk Train. You're listening to the Wolves Talk Train with me, Pat O'Brien. <laughs> Get some Coke. Let's hang out. Pat Let's party. This one too. <laughs> That's a callback from last episode, if anybody's yep. not. Let's... I don't Maybe just randomly. Part of the seg- rest of the segment is Pat O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ricky Rubio. Here's the thing for me. The eye test seems to show it is a fun guy to watch. Fun guy. No, I I think it's... I talk about the Wolves all the time with a lot of different people, and I feel like there's a lot of people that are like, ugh, I don't know. Take him or leave him. Trade him if you can. Get a new guy. I mean, there's obviously some steam around Chris Dunn, and I don't think that's coming from just regular fans. I think that's a legitimate thing. A lot of tea leaves being read by some of the the lamestream media guys in town about not sure if Thibodeau wants Rubio long term. Obviously, they tried to trade him last year for Middleton, and the Bucks blinked. So it's just been a thing from the get go. And then, oh, oh, there was also an article this past week of like Rubio saying, if they don't make the playoffs, who knows what his future in Minnesota is going to be? You know that mm-hmm. obviously that makes Minnesotans sad. Probably all fans, I suppose, but Minnesotans more, I think. Um, well, was he saying, I might leave Minnesota, or if we don't make the playoffs, they might trade me for spare parts? I don't know. It was one of those translation interviews to begin with, so it's all kind of who the hell knows the context. <laughs> but you actually, you actually go and do the translation yourself, and it's like, that's not what he said. He didn't even say Minnesota. He was referring to going on vacation. I might leave after my vacation is over. Yep. That's what he was saying. I might go back to Minnesota after I take a vacation this summer. Oh, that's not controversial. Well, Why I didn't we listen to Google Translate. I also remember said, one of our friends, Mike Rand. 
Yeah, it's always Mike Rand. <laughs> it's always some crazy hot take that Mike has dropped on the rest of us. Podcaster at large, as you all yep. know, Rand has an open invite to come join us anytime he wants to. When he's done hosting all 14 podcasts, he hosts for the Star Tribune. He's a busy man. He's so pretty. It's got to get him on camera. You, you need him. You want him on that wall. He, on Twitter.com, said that next year is a, quote, prove it year for Rubio. And I just about threw my phone out of my car. Like, prove what? What does he have to prove? He's a really good player. Like, he's... There's no statistic, I don't think, that you can find that doesn't show him to be a very solid point guard. Like, he was top 20 in uh, RPM, which is an ESPN thing of, like, uh, sort of like a plus-minus per minute sort of deal. Um, and that takes account of opponents. It takes account of your teammates, etc. He was top 20 in the entire NBA. So maybe you say that's ridiculous and that's not exactly right. But every other statistic that I've found um, shows that he's a really solid player. And again, the eye test, I would think, should also confirm, like, dude's really good and fun to watch. And they go on really great runs when he's in the game. And every time he's injured or, or not on the floor, they're very bad. So I don't understand what he needs to prove. And I know that you're not Mike Rand, but I'm directing this at you, yep. asshole. No, that's fine. I'll stand in for Mike Rand here. You see, the thing is... Come on, prick. What do you got? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to be Mike Rand here. Comb your hair better. The Timberwolves have... <laughs> I, my hair is too pretty for you to insult if I'm Mike Rand. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Damn it. Okay, keep he, going. He, he's a good-looking man. There's no getting around it. Mm-hmm. Um... Man, this always devolves into talk about how pretty Mike Rand is instead of an actual argument. So pretty. It's, a, it, it's just classic sportive. So All right. So if I'm if I'm Mike Rand, what I'm telling you is McCrand. If you're McCrand, the Timberwolves have never been better than the sum of their parts, and in fact, they've been worse than the sum of their parts. And a lot of that falls in the lap of the guy who's supposed to be holding the team together, which is Rubio. Right? Okay, well, you need to start off and prove to me that they've been worse than the sum of their parts. They have very shitty players on their team every single year. Yeah, but they've also won nine out of 100 games every year. Yeah, I would say last year, the Timberwolves were outscored um, by one point on average per game when Rubio, like per 48 minutes or whatever, maybe it's per 40. Anyway, when Rubio was in the floor, outscored by one. So not great. They're going to lose that game. When he was off the floor, they were outscored by like nine and a half. They're blown out. So if you want to go to the simplicity of wins and losses, you're more than welcome. All right, let me try a different tact. This is difficult playing devil's advocate against a thing that you don't with believe. With a position that I don't believe. <laughs> All right, let me go. Let me go with this. Next year is a prove it year for Rubio because next year, with Towns and Wiggins coming into somewhat their primes, for the first time, Rubio is going to be surrounded by talent that instead of lifting up off the bottom, he's trying to drive to new heights. Uh huh. So this will be Rubio's prove-it year to be whether he can... A a chance for him to prove whether he can be 
the captain of a good, a very good team, or if the only skills he have is has is to make a bad team slightly better. So you need him to be better next year, or be the same while everybody else gets better. Uh, I think I need him to prove that he can be the guy who makes very good players great. So he just needs to prove that he can make his teammates even better than he has in past years. Like, prove it again. Brandon, I'm really struggling here because Extra I'm it. arguing a point I don't believe by using vague platitudes you can't disprove. Gritty. That's what I'm going for here. Yeah, he's a leader. He needs to be a leader. It, on and off the court, got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You never know. He's got to be an example for the kids. It makes sense to go there because that's like, what am I going to say to that? Like, I guess. I mean, I can't prove that wrong. I don't. It's like you said. So if you look at the numbers, it's it's certainly not universal, but it's hard to find one that it's like, no, Ricky Rubio is a terrible player. And here is the number that proves that. I guess you could use his shooting percentage, but <laughs> that's about it. It's just one small aspect to the game. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's 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 like you know when they first started having advanced fielding statistics and whether it was plus minus or zone rating or whatever the they disagreed on a lot of things like there were guys who was like well this statistic says that he saved this many runs but this statistic says he made 20 fewer plays than the average player at his position but the one single thing that all of these statistics universally agreed on was that Derek Jeter was the worst defender in Major League <laughs> Baseball. Yeah. They were all unanimous <laughs> in being like, this guy is unarguably the worst fielder in all of baseball. And, you know, he was still winning gold gloves, and people yeah. would ask him, like, Hey, uh, so all the stats show that you are rotten at baseball. You can't move, and when you do move, you're bad at catching the ball. And he was like, "No, oh, I think I'm pretty good." And everyone was like, "Yep, sold yeah, leadership." Yeah, he's a leader. You know, he doesn't get so, bogged down with the statistics that uh, hate on him. It's like, hey, well, so, Jeter only had seven errors. It's like, yeah, but he only got to 18 balls all season. He actually went to his left on 12 balls to his right. It's actually only like a 60% fielding percentage. Oh, God. He was was so bad. So bad. Concrete. And it was nice that all of the stats were unanimous that this guy was terrible. But that's not the way it is with Rubio. It's It's not even that much disagreement in terms of, well, this stat says he's bad. This stat says he's good. It's mostly like... Yeah, all of these stats show that the Timberwolves are a much better team when he's on the floor than when he's not on the floor. Yeah, so, I mean, I I guess I can't... I think the casual fan thing cuts both ways because I certainly understand if you're not a hardcore diehard like me, you kind of just give extra credit to the guys who can make shots, right? So even if... Like a, I guess Jamal Crawford is not the best example, but Gunners like that, that take 
23 shots in a game and they score 21 points. Or Kobe is a great example, kind of late late in his career, Kobe. Chris Humphreys when he was with the Gophers. Chris Humphreys with the Gophers is like, hey, man, check the box score. He had 22 points. Awesome game. And I get that aspect of it of like, well, no, it took him a million shots and he didn't have any assists and he's terrible at the... Like Al Jefferson is a perfect example of like, the team was never good with him on the floor because every point he scored, he gave up on the other end. Like they, <laughs> he was a bad player. Like he just because he would he would take the ball and he would score on the offensive end, and then he'd run back on defense and just stand completely still in the middle of the lane with his arms down by his side. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like he's he's bad, but you look at the box score. Hey, twenty two points, pretty good game. So I kind of get that aspect just in general. And there's always going to be dudes who are overrated because they can get points and that's kind of like that just is what it is and i don't really blame people for like not being a diehard that's fine that's just sort of my thing but the thing that i would think would counteract it with rubio is like the again the eye test sort of thing is like a casual fan i would imagine thinks he's great because his passes are unbelievable and he's so fun to fun to watch but then again I, i don't know i mean the casual fan I think dislikes Rubio not to the same degree as Maurer, but in a similar manner of like, whatever, I don't give a shit sucks at shooting. Like what about whatever sucks at shooting? Who would, I bet there's a music podcast that is having this exact same argument right now, but about some virtuoso musician where they're like, I just can't, I can't understand why people don't love his musicianship. Have you ever seen him in concert? He's awesome. Why do people not want to watch that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Et cetera, and so on. Yeah. It's it sounds idea. very, I I don't, it, I was going to say it sounds very familiar, but it doesn't actually sound familiar. It just sounds plausible. It sounds plausible. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I am, I'm taking the throne as the main Rubio defender. Yep. I've decided if Chris Dunn is drafted, I'm going to be furious. Yep. Absolutely We're getting furious. Getting pre-furious is what we do on this podcast. We imagine the worst case scenario and then we get angry about it. Yeah, For we example, love that. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about Terry Ryan getting a contract extension at the end of this year. Oh, I'm and so I'm just, fucking pre-furious about that. angry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how pre-furious are you of, like, Andrew Wiggins having, like, an Achilles heel or ACL or something because he was playing 47 minutes a night <laughs> that's a, next that's year? That's a different I'm thing. Fucking I'm pretty sad about that. Oh, okay. Well, you're not I'm pretty pre- depressed about Carl Anthony Towns playing 22 games next year because he's hurt most of the year. I'm pretty furious about it. I'll be honest. Pretty furious. Because Tibbs doesn't know how to substitute people? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> He's got one of those soccer boards, and he's, like, holding up numbers on the sideline. Like, Tibbs, you just send them to the scorer's table. They're fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can put them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Come back in the game. This isn't, it's not like when they come out, then they're done for the game. You can just leave them in there. It's fine. So true. Uh, all right. We need to move on. That twins talk, man. That took a lot out of me. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the NBA Finals? It's been fun. I mean, actually, it's a, it's a shame that Clarence isn't here, who has, for some reason, seized on trolling you about LeBron mm-hmm. as his troll of the week. Yep. And then the Cavs won by 30. So, yeah, I haven't heard from him. I have not heard from him since that game. It's odd, right? Isn't that weird how that works out? I think waiting for an apology I, would love an apology. You, you are the guy who can tell me this game three. Was it a, just a fluke for the warriors and the series is going five games. B representing a C change in this series in that the Cavs have found out something specific that they're going to be able to use to their advantage mm-hmm. in future games or C an example of Adam Silver fixing the series to go longer to get some television. Ooh. Well, I would love... One of those is more likely. I'm not saying one of them is 100% and the other ones are 0%. I'm just saying which one is the most likely. We've talked about conspiracy theories, I think, before. And I think the challenge with a good conspiracy theory, the fun of it, of course, is if you think about it for 30 seconds, it makes the most sense in the whole world. Right, like of course, but then if you think about I it, I thought like of a, that one while I was talking. If you think of it like for a minute, then it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. Right, like they just require you to not think deeply about it. Yep, absolutely. The problem with a conspiracy is that you are creating people in your head that are really, really evil people. Right, like they are screwing with lots of lives, very, very bad, evil, terrible, immoral people. But they're also super moral in a way that they never give up their secret. And they never tell anybody after years and years and years of like, you know, these 30 people knew that that moon landing was fake. Not one of them ever, not one of these 30 awful, terrible, horrible people ever gave up their secret. I I just don't know if those people exist in the world. I've never heard of them, Right. Um, so I'm going to say I don't think it's the third one. Okay. So Adam Silver not fixing games. I don't think so. Although it's... he has every motivation in the world to do so. Well, I mean, his career would be over. And he would be remembered in history as one of the worst sports figures of all time. But besides that, nothing uh... to lose. Besides that, nothing at all to lose. For yeah. For like money that he doesn't actually even see. He has no hair. You can't trust those people. So true. Okay. So we'll just put that one to bed. Might be true. I'm sure Clarence will weigh in tomorrow with some yep. ideas of how that, uh, of how <laughs> conspiracies actually are true. Um, that was, a, that was our Clarence Swamptown Memorial conspiracy theory for this episode. They are fun. When he's not here, it's part of his contract. 
when he's not here, I'm required to advance an absurd conspiracy theory just to make Brandon mad about facts. Every conspiracy theory I hear, I just, I'd love it. I'm like, oh man, that is, that's funny. That's good that you guys thought of that. And then I realize they're serious and then I'm very upset for a very long time. But I do enjoy the first few seconds of a conspiracy theory. I think everybody does, right? So I think the important thing when it comes to conspiracy theories is to stop thinking about them immediately. You need to stop them. right away. Just think of yep. like, oh, shit, that, could, that maybe we never land on the mood. That's brilliant. Yep. you got to move on. you got to move on right there. you got to think that's plausible and then no more thought. Yeah. And the one person is like, well, wait a minute. Cut that person out of your life. You don't need to hang out with that person. No, they're offering nothing. That's me. Cut me out of your life. I'm not fun <laughs> to be around. <laughs> One of the worst. One of the worst. Um, so I think, okay, so we're recording this on a Thursday. Game four is Friday night. Um, I think it'll go five. I think it might go six, maybe, if they can squeak out another victory. But I... Last night was just one of those, and, you know, game two was the exact opposite of every single thing went right for one team and every single thing went wrong for the other. Like, there's a perfect 50%. The Cavs played great last game, and a 50% of the Warriors played terrible. So, but it's interesting that Steph Curry has been brutal. He's been so, I mean, he wasn't brutal game two. He was He was just, like, okay, but... He just seems a little bit off, and I don't know exactly what they're doing. I mean, Irving is obviously bad at, at uh, defense, so I just I don't know if they're like just sort of like swarming him more than usual. I actually, to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of this. I've had a, I've had baseball games on all three of these so far, so I've been sort of like catching the second half after the game or trying to catch up on my phone. So I haven't been able to watch it in person, but I just wish there was more drama. I mean, game one was tied like in the middle of the third. So that was kind of interesting. And then Golden State went on a run and it was over. The fourth quarter meant almost nothing. And games two and three have been absolute blowouts. I mean, they're both fun teams to watch when there are blowouts because I don't know if you saw um, LeBron's alley-oop last night. You should try to find I, it. I did not see it. It was sure fucking it was amazing. amazing. It's just so, I mean, so those things happen. And obviously game two with uh, some of the highlights that Golden State had was, I mean, they're fun teams to watch when they're blowing somebody out, but... I just I'm hoping for a little bit more drama in general um, moving forward. But yeah, I mean, I think our sport of consensus was Golden State in five, and I still I still think that. Mm. I would love if the Cavs could make it a series, and I don't. Yeah. Okay, so can I do a quick interlude before we move yep. on to something else? I like a good interlude. So do you want to do a Do you want to do a quick Stanley Cup Finals update? I want to do that, but I, but before that, I have a quick... That's what I want to get to next, but before that, I wanted a quick check-in from... Okay, even better interlude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so last week, we talked about... I don't think there's a good answer to this, and this probably would be better if, uh, if Clarence were here, but last week, we talked about um, cheering against people that you hate and rooting for them to fail. Yep. And... We talked a little bit about Woody Allen and R. Kelly in particular of like two people I wish the absolute worst for, but I enjoy their art. But then I also am rooting against the weird Ayn Rand lover owner of the Warriors. Yep. And Clarence is like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, 
one of them you're totally like, oh, I don't give a shit that R. Kelly is a criminal. I still love some of his music. And on the other hand, so I, and I thought that was a really good point and something that I had to think more about. And I think that I have found my answer, my personal answer. Okay. Somebody else has one. Is that there's nothing I can do to make R. Kelly sad. Like, all right. I could listen to his music all the time, or I could stop listening to his music. It has zero effect on that guy's life. But if the Warriors lose, the other guy, that guy is sad. So I'm rooting for them to be sad. So like Woody Allen, I could rent Annie Hall. That's not going to make him, that's not going to make Woody Allen like happy or changes, whatever. Like there's nothing I can do to affect Woody Allen's life. Nothing that can happen. But does that make sense? Like, well, it it makes sense in the sense that um, there's a there's a certain kind of artist that probably includes R. Kelly and Woody Allen that awards or even popular success isn't necessarily the driving force for them. Like Woody Allen is never. I, I, I think he probably cares whether he wins an Academy Award, but I don't get the sense that he's making movies to try to break box office records or even to win awards. He's just making the movies that he wants to make at this point. Yeah. And the same is probably true of R. Kelly. He's probably making the albums he wants to make. And it doesn't... Obviously, both of them... Woody Allen wants to sell movie tickets and R. Kelly wants to sell albums because... That's how they make their living, but in a sense, they're just doing they're they're doing them, and nothing is going to change that. Whereas, if the Warriors decided that the ultimate calling of their art was to shoot nothing but half court shots, it might be popular and you might enjoy watching it, but they're also going to lose every game they play, right? And Ultimately, they're going to be viewed at not a, not even as experimental, but as a failure, because how they're viewed is completely tied up in the results of the games they play. Like the Warriors, even for years before they were awesome, the Warriors were still fun. They like back when Don Nelson was coaching them. Oh yeah, they yep. score 153 points in a game and they lose because. Not one of their players knew that when the other team has the ball, you're supposed to run back behind the center line. Baron Davis. And yeah, exactly. Baron Davis for literally three straight years just stood underneath the opponent's hoop waiting for the ball to come back down. Old cherry picker Davis. So those teams I'm sure were fun to watch and they probably were a pretty good expression expression of what was in Don Nelson's head, which was just party it up, man. I want a beer on the bench. And we're all going to just shoot some three pointers and get late after the game. Right. But they will ultimately be judges unsuccessful because those teams lost a lot. So the, the competitive aspect means that this is less about art and more about results than a guy like R. Kelly or Woody Allen is ever going to be. Totally. I mean, I just want bad people to feel sad. (laughs) <laughs> and there's nothing I can do to make Woody Allen or R. Kelly feel sad. I just... Um, well, I mean... Or I can't see it. I can't affect it at all. But if I can see the Cavs beat the Warriors, 
then the other guy's sad, and that makes me happy. It makes me happy I, when the people I don't like are sad. And that's why I don't but, feel any problem with, like, renting any hall. Like, I, don't, I, I have no effect. Look at it, it this way. Nothing to do with... When, when Woody Allen passes away, somewhere in his obituary is going to be mentioned that he had some odd relationships in his life. And R. Kelly, for the last 10 years, has had to deal with people singing the Dave Chappelle song, Piss on You, at him. And I got to imagine that makes him sad because he's going to be remembered as much for peeing on people as he is for his music. Yeah, that's great. So in that, in that sense, they're already sad because they're in part defined by a thing they did that should make them sad. Yep. Yes. So, so the thing that I could guess, define... I guess what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is if you're serious about making R. Kelly sad, go to a concert and sing a Dave Chappelle comedy <laughs> sketch song at him. Yeah. And the way I could make Joe Lacob sad is for the team that he's been bragging about and taking credit for, you know, constructing this amazing roster and light years ahead of the game, whatever. I want Joe Lacob to not be validated of his unhumble, ridiculous Silicon Valley arrogance opinion. If you want to make Joe Lacob sad, try to end poverty by helping poor people. Ooh. That'll make him sad. That would be great. Okay, thank you for the interlude. Uh, now right. I want to talk Puck. This has been an excellent discussion of metaphysics. Now let's get back to making fun of the twins. I want to talk Puck, actually. Well, your 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 most hated team in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, did not win the Stanley Cup tonight, so that's something. All right. That's great. That's great. So now it's 3-2, to two, right? <laughs> it, it, yes. And the best part is... Most likely the Penguins will win game six, but they'll do it on the road. And so they'll have to deal with all those tech bro billionaires throwing old copies of Atlas Shrugged on the ice or whatever (laughs) they're going to do to protest. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) So what I'm saying is earlier tonight, the the Penguins lost game five at home, and it was just good to see all the sad Penguins fans there. The, The people who clearly came to the arena like, hey, we can see the Stanley Cup tonight. This will be awesome. And then the Sharks got an empty netter at the end and won four to two. And I'm sure they were sad, and I hope they were. Tom Barrasso should have should be in the Hague. I love when other fans are sad. I know Schadenfreude is one of the best things in the entire world. It's all we've got. Mm-hmm. That and our moral superiority of always being right about yep. moves. <laughs> There's the two things that drive us forward. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure in the pain of others and the knowledge that we're always right. How's Phil Kessel been? Has he been good? Uh, he's been fine. I mean, he plays for the he, he plays for the wrong team, so that's yeah. Yeah, so he hasn't been a disaster. Okay. okay. I, that's fine. It, it's fine. It is it, we're coming up on the NHL draft which is always a good time. Like there's always stories about guys who get interviewed and they either interview well or interview poorly. I don't know why an interview has anything to do with how a guy plays hockey, but it's exactly like, like the NFL where they're like this guy wore a suit to the interview and was very well mannered. What a, what a decent human quite eloquent. How, how that has to do with anything with how he plays defensive end is beside the point. But the best part of that is it always is a good chance to bring up, 
how Phil Kessel is the worst interview of all time in all of those things. He's a terrible television interview. He's a terrible newspaper interview. But even more at the draft combine, he apparently interviewed so poorly that nobody wanted to draft him. Because they were like, this guy doesn't have a clear thought in his head. Is I don't he, think he speaks... Does he speak English? He's from Wisconsin. How... Is he French? How did this happen? Is Was he an exchange student? What's the... What's the is he just a, just a dumbass or... He's, he's just an incredibly dull person. Dull, yeah. Like, he, he just is... He, he's, he doesn't... He's not well-spoken. He's not interesting. He just... Other than his ability to score goals and play hockey... He's just a total zero, it seems like. I don't know him personally, so I have no idea what he's actually like in person. Maybe he's funny and witty and studies Greek philosophy or whatever, but the way he comes across is this guy is a 76 Honda Civic. Yikes. This guy has nothing going for him. I hate him. I hate him so much. I didn't Good even know. Now I hate him. Good for you. That's the kind of hate we like. Okay, so game six is coming up on what Saturday night? Uh, probably. They'll probably play it at like Saturday at eleven a.m. Yeah, it'll be on versus. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, I'm just so furious right now. Yeah, I figured. Uh, all right, so now I want to finish up with. Can we talk a little footy? We can talk a little footy, but I promise you. If you ask me what size the ball, ball is, <laughs> I'm going to hang up. That's the end. This interview is over. I think that we need to do a better job. The whole point of this uh, podcast is that this is group therapy, and we need to be supportive in group therapy. Group therapy. So, um, so they lost to Colombia, and then beat Costa Rica. Is that right, or is it opposite? That's or? accurate. It is nope, accurate. They. They they got beat two to nothing by Colombia. Then they beat Costa Rica four to nothing, which was the worst they've ever beaten Costa Rica. Which is exciting, but if you watch the games, they played about the same in both games. That's what I've heard. Actually, is they didn't play that poorly in the first one, and they didn't play that great in the second one. It's the first. The first one was very affected. They gave up a goal eight minutes in, so they were. They were immediately behind. Then before the first half was over, they gave up the second goal. And the first one came off a corner kick, and the second one was a penalty kick from basically an accidental an accidental handball. And so it's it's hard to get a fair picture of how competitive they were in a game against Colombia, who's really good, just from a game in which they trailed the entire match. It's I I, I think it would have been a very different game if it had been 0-0 or if the U.S. had gotten a goal early, we would have had a very different outlook. But Colombia didn't have to stretch themselves at all. They could just sit back and sort of kill the game off. And so the U.S. didn't look good. They didn't look terrible, but they certainly didn't look in Colombia's class. And then you fast forward to the Costa Rica game where it was the U.S. that got the early goal from a penalty. And then Costa Rica adopted this very strange strategy where they thought, you know what we're going to do? We are going to try to push as many guys forward as we can and leave all the space in the entire world in the middle of the field for the U.S. And it just was a terrible, insane strategy, and it didn't work at all. And so the U.S. ended up scoring 
a couple of goals on shots that probably shouldn't have gone in. Costa Rica's goalkeeper, who might who might be their best player, got hurt before the tournament started. And so if their if their starting goalkeeper is in the game, the US probably scores two fewer goals in the first half and the game's a lot different in the second half, but that's just the breaks of the you could look at it sort of as the breaks one way and the breaks the other. In the first in the game against Colombia, the breaks went against the US and so they looked terrible and in the second game the breaks went for them and they looked great. So you can argue a lot about that. It seemed to be some smart people I that I thought thought smart who who the hell knows? Maybe not smart people. Supposedly smart people before the game said if they lose the second game, uh Yergi might lose his job, might be fired. Like he's playing for Is that true? And that that's true, but you also have to remember they've said that about every game the US has played pretty much since the World Cup. What a roller coaster. What is it like with something that's that I mean, it's one match and he could completely I don't know. It just seems like a very dramatic way to do things, but I guess there's probably no other way to you can't really take a well let's go watch him for another you know let's have another 20 matches and then we'll decide if he's the future or not it just seems like i've read that article a hundred times and i don't understand what the actual when when you would pull the plug and if there's any actual progress it just seems very like very emotional it's well it's certainly emotional and we've talked about this on the podcast before but part of the problem with international soccer is they play so few meaningful games that it's kind of impossible not to overreact because you lose in the World Cup knockout round, and all right, it's four more years before you get a chance to come back here. So it's natural to overreact just because there's nothing else to hang your hat on. Um, So even something like the, the Gold Cup, which seems to be played just about every other year, the U.S. loses that last summer and doesn't look so good in doing it, and it's a sky is falling moment just because there's nothing else going on. If if the team was playing week in and week out and they lost a couple games in a row, you'd be like, "Well, this is this is not going well," but it's just part of a larger picture. Right. But when the larger picture is eight years long, it's it's impossible not to overreact to the small things. Like if they if they lose on Saturday against Paraguay and they don't make it into the quarterfinals, there'll be a lot of people who want Klinsman fired. So it, I don't know how much that tells you about where the U.S. is at, but there's there's certain people that will want Klinsman fired no matter what happens. So it's just sort of an excuse. It's like, it's like the Maurer haters wanting, saying, well, if Maurer doesn't get a hit tonight... They should take him out of the lineup forever. Make him catch. Yeah, exactly. Huh. There's people who will say that no matter what goes wrong. Okay. But there, in this case, though, specifically with with Klinsman, it's somewhat valid, right? It's somewhat valid and it's somewhat not valid. Ah. (laughs) The weird thing, U.S. soccer really needs a guy like Klinsman who's going to shoot straight with people. I do like like that aspect. Before the tournament started, there was an interview with Klinsman in, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. And I, I actually, when it came out, I thought, I should 
like print this out and highlight stuff to read on the podcast. And then I realized that would be the single most boring part of the podcast that has ever happened. But he made an enormous number of good points. And you realize that with a lot of these young players coming through, there needs to be a voice like Klinsman's that's telling them they're not good enough because there's so many people who are like, well, the, he's the, he's going to be awesome. He's going to be the future of American soccer. And then they don't get any better. It seems like right. I, I, I could, I could rattle off the names of 10 guys who have been hailed as sort of the next big thing and then haven't really done anything. And so a guy like Klinsman who was unheralded coming up and through sheer hard work and through belief in himself and through trying to make him make himself the best possible player he could be became a star almost against the will of the people who are around him that's the perfect guy to have advising american soccer players who need they need a voice who's telling them you haven't done anything yet. You need to get better. This is an individual thing. It's up to you to get better. It's not up to me to tell you how to get better. It's up to you to figure out how to get better and become an excellent player because nobody's going to do that for you but you, and I'm living proof of that. That's a great voice to have in American soccer, but just because that's a great voice to have doesn't make him a good game day coach, which he's patently not. Another thing that he has been made fun of in the limited articles I've read is that he's also not great with like interviews and press conferences in the press or whatever. Like I was reading a pretty funny article about the two two nothing match, and he's like, you know, the only difference between our two teams was the two goals, and it's like, yeah, those are two really important factors, though. Like <laughs> those are the. <laughs> Like he just yeah. needs to get a little bit better at that sort of stuff. So do you, is there any truth to that also not helping his case of like just being bad at, I don't know what you call it, PR? or Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's much more a case of the people who want to criticize him are going to criticize him for whatever he says. It, there, there seems to be people who are annoyed by, and I've been one of these people too, that are annoyed by his unwillingness to, personally take the blame for everything that goes wrong because they want somebody to be blamed. You know what I mean? He's just like, these players are not good enough. It's like, well, (laughs) we, we weren't good enough today and people really want him to stand up and be like, guys, I made the wrong decisions today. I'm going to do better in the future. And when, instead of doing that, it's more like, well, our players aren't very good. People seem to get infuriated by that. So yeah, because of that past history, pretty much anything he says, there'll be some people who are like typical Klinsman not taking the blame, or this guy is this guy has no idea what reality is, etc. But that doesn't necessarily make him wrong. We just talked about how they weren't necessarily that much worse than Colombia, but Colombia got a couple of breaks in the first half. But that it's also true that while the U.S. wasn't a lot worse than Colombia, it was partially because Colombia didn't have to do anything because they were winning two to nothing. So it's hard to give a nuanced answer in a press conference. Let's put it that way. So that's I, I totally understand 
like the press conference aspect, but if you're able to give a nuanced answer, like you personally, John, are you seeing any evidence that the U.S. soccer on the whole is getting better? I mean, he's been in charge for what, five years now? Um, that's kind of a hard question to answer because they haven't gotten any better over the last 25 years. It's not just Klinsman. It's not just over the last five years they haven't improved. Gotcha. It's more, it's more like over the last 25 years they haven't improved. So they're really just have plateaued to a crazy degree. And the challenge is understanding whether Klinsman could break that plateau at all yeah it's it's like people i I wrote about this a little people are like well we're not good now and the truth is we've never been that good it used to be a lot worse a lot worse we were terrible mean anything to we were disgustingly terrible and then in like the mid 90s we got up to respectable and respectable is not a bad place to be we were you know in the in the top twenty five teams in the world, and that's something. But Glenn Mason Gophers is where that's our stage right now, right? <laughs> a little bit. People people assumed that since we got better then, that it would just be sort of a straight line to the top, and instead, it's just been sort of nothing. It hurts my pride as an American doing nothing exceptional, but taking credit for the things that have happened in our history. That I can't just will this to happen. Yeah, we like, come on. We're Americans. We win. <laughs> Fuck. It's you know, we had a couple of upset wins and it was like, yep, this is this is happening cuz we're American. Oh yeah. And we want it more. And this is what happens cuz we want it more. And then it didn't exactly happen that way. I was like, this must be somebody's fault. Yeah. So, huh. I don't know. I could I could talk for 3 hours about U.S. soccer and how it's how it's just sort of it is what it is. But when, okay, so when's the next match? Did you you already said that Saturday night? Saturday night, big match playing Paraguay. Paraguay. What is the what are the odds? What are the odds the U.S. If if you were a betting man in Vegas, what are the odds you think the U.S. will win? The, uh, the uh, I think the odds the odds are sort of dependent on whether they win or draw because I think either one. We'll take him through to the next round. So there's a little less incentive to win when you can also tie yep. and get through to the next round. Fair. Okay. I think the odds of them doing that are about, I'm going to say 80%. 80% that they will win, win or, or tie. Yep. Okay. And Paraguay is not a pushover, but the U.S. is playing at home. They've got a lot going for them. Paraguay doesn't have a lot going for them. Okay. But again, the breaks could go either way. All right, good check-in. I didn't make fun of the size of the ball once. Just mm-hmm. wanted to point that out. But we got to get That's going, good. though. It's been, you, it's been you late. You did well, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, so we will hopefully get the full crew back next week. This has been an episode of The Straight Men featuring John and Brandon. We are two straight men, um, comedy-wise. We're not funny. Two straight we're not funny men. is what we're getting yeah. at. We're straight in that way, in the in the... Genetic way and the this is this yeah. is not a good name for the next time we do this let's have a better let's get some, let's have a better name let's get better yeah we'll get better okay thanks for listening bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.